0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Roundup. I absolutely have to thank Everybody that I got to hang out with at Retro World Expo last weekend. I had such a blast. Every single person that came over to the booth was absolutely awesome and a blast to talk with. I was lucky enough to hang out with some of the coolest people in the booth. We got Steve from Retro Tech, Lou from Lou's Retro Source, Chris from Displaced Gamers, and of course, Tito from Macho Nacho, as well as a bunch of other awesome people that kind of popped in and out to hang out all weekend long. And I obviously got to thank Chris and Lance who run Retro World for always taking such good care of us. And uh, I don't know, I, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. Honestly, I had so much fun. I really appreciated everything. And a massive shout out to Tim Kitsrow because I've met him before. I've hung out with him. He's always awesome. But I've never been across a booth from him before. And I got to say, like, I always pride myself in trying to bring lots of positive energy to the booth. But when you're across from Tim Kitzrow, you suddenly have a very harsh realization of how you'll never be as charismatic as that guy. Not one person met Tim Kitzrow, the voice actor. Every single person that went up to him met freaking NBA Jam. He was on all weekend and asked Anybody that was with me in that booth, I was still laughing at all of his voices and all of his jokes all the way into the end of Sunday. So it just never got any less cool. It was totally awesome to watch him do that. So, you know, it's just kind of like I I even told him like that's he was an inspiration to me. I thought I was doing a decent job talking to people at the booth, but no, I'll never be as good as him. I'm going to try. though. But anyway, enough rambling about what an awesome time I had. Let's jump in and see what's been going on in the past week. First up, Atari has just announced the 2600 Plus, which is a software emulation-based HDMI outputting console that plays both 2600 and 7800 cartridges. It comes with a controller as well as a 10-in-1 cart where you could select the game based on dip switches, which is a hint that it's probably not going to work with ROM carts for all the same reasons these software emulation-based consoles don't. You have to essentially dump the ROM to the cart before playing it. The price is $130, uh, and it is interesting. So I guess seeing this, right, you could look at this two two different ways. Um, you know, Alex made the very good point of maybe the Atari 50 Anniversary Collection came out, and that was very well done, performed very well, and it was a really good window into what those games were like. So maybe with the popularity of that, Atari feel, felt like they were going to capitalize on this, especially with their recent... Hardware failures. But the other way to look at it is, um, how could I put this? Anybody ever see Married with Children? Remember that running gag about how the only important thing Al Bundy ever did was scoring three touchdowns in one game in high school? Kind of feels like all they got left is just going back once again to the 70s and not just trying to make anything that makes sense today. Uh, so, yeah, this was kind of funny for me to, to see. Also, um, It's $130, and it looks cool, but if price is a factor for you, you should probably look into the Hyperkin 2600 console, which doesn't really look like the 2600. However... Out of the box, it's totally fine. There was a lot of nitpicking about it, but really, if you break it down, it's totally fine and respectable for the price. And if you wanted to, you could end up loading custom firmware on it to have a more enhanced version of the software. I covered that a while back, a couple of years ago, I think, where the homebrew community really just dug into that and made it even better. So this is really just a question of like, who is this for? Is this somebody that liked the Atari 50 collection and wants to buy a neat trinket that looks very cool on their shelf i definitely would give them that i don't really know but this is certainly something that um that just kind of made me giggle when i saw it because i just it just felt like a weird cash grab to me but maybe i'm wrong i hope i'm wrong i certainly wasn't wrong about the vcs that's uh, a lot of people get very angry at me when i said that thing was going to flop the moment it was announced but hey guess what (laughs) so i hope this one does better Next up, ROM Hacker DJ Edit has just released a ROM hack for the Game Boy Advance game Wario Land 4 that allows for force feedback and rumble support. In order to use this on original hardware, you are actually going to need the Easy Flash Omega Definitive Edition, which has rumble support built in. And I believe you can use it on the analog pocket. However, if you use it there, um, I don't think rumble support is built into the pocket by default. And on top of that, you're going to have to do an extra patch for that, at least in the short term, in order to get it running. But overall, I, I... honestly think this stuff is awesome, and anytime you could recreate a unique experience, I am all for it. You know, whether it's something as ridiculous as the Sega Master System 3D gra- glasses, or something a lot more practical like Rumble Support in the Game Boy Advance, I just think it's very cool, and it opens gamers up to experiencing what used to be, what could have been, what might have been. And I think Wario Land's probably a really good game for that because, you know, Wario's whole butt drop thing probably uh, would be pretty neat to have going if you have Rumble support on your console. So uh, any any more information you need on this, Alex put a lot of it right here in the post so you could check it out for yourself. But I think this is absolutely awesome, and I think it'd be neat to see more of those. And actually, DJ Edit did a few other force feedback um, patches as well. So definitely check out Alex's post for more info. So I was finally able to post a video about the RetroTink 4K. For the record, Mike never told me not to, but I pride myself in always keeping my mouth shut about people's products until it's ready to go public. So once Mike announced the public beta and sent review units out to other people, I decided to do an intro video. And I know technically I had shown it up for anybody listening to this podcast doesn't need to know an introduction to it. But this was more an introduction to what it could really do, an overview of the features and stuff like that. And while I really hope everybody who's listening gave it a watch because there's a lot of info for you in there, this was also a general overview for people who just might be dipping their toe into the water and wonder if a 4K scaler is something that might fit their setup, which the first thing I covered in the video is why it may or may not, and some other alternatives just to kind of ease the amount of people going, whoa, do I need all of this to play retro? No. No. But like I said in the video, you don't need it. You you probably want it. Uh, And I had an absolute blast making the video. And also, I had spoken to a lot of the other people who got beta units of this and said, you know, do we all want to do the same exact video? Would you mind if I just did the intro and then I'll just promote all of your other videos afterwards? And everybody thought that was cool. So uh, I just think that's absolutely awesome. Now we get everybody kind of concentrating on one of the many, many, many things you could do with the RT4K, and I am so excited to see My Life in Gaming, Digital Foundry, and GameStacks videos, and I've already been following all the Wobbling Pixels posts on social media, so it's been very, very cool to see this thing, uh, you know, finally show people this and show everybody what it could do, but as you could expect, absolutely no chance that I was able to show all the features, and the only thing that i wanted to cover is some of the things that really stood out over the retro Tank 5x that it probably would never be able to do based on the hardware limitations which that's not an insult just it is what it is um, but i also wanted to get kind of the basics in there like how does it work just plug it in and set your input you don't need to worry about anything else but if you want to check out how the profile system works look at these amazing new scan lines etc 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 also why you might care about 1080p 120 over 4K60. I think that's something that I should probably do or work with other smarter people to do a whole video series on. But hopefully this was a fun introduction to the product. Um, I just, I'm really excited about it. And like I keep saying, it's not for everybody's setup. But I think the people that were watching it really got it. You know, even the people that were like, this is definitely not for me. I already have a calibrated BVM and I have no desire to use a flat panel. But I liked the video, and it's cool to see what this thing could do. I got a lot of comments like that, which is totally fine. Um, So hopefully more people will be able to check this out. Hopefully we'll get more videos coming out soon. And I will definitely be following up on a bunch of things. One video I absolutely want to do is show how I've been using an HDMI matrix switch to decide whether to send certain content directly to my TV or to run it through the tink first. I think, well, that's something that when I explain it sounds really complicated and confusing, but if I actually show you how easy that is with a video, I have a feeling a lot of people will be picking one of those up to use with it as well. Uh, And I also showed an HDMI audio extractor. And speaking of the HDMI audio extractor, I wanted to do a separate post on that just to explain to people my exact test criteria, how you may or may not want to use it in your setup, and just to give a basic overview. So first of all, the the basics are this is a box that takes an HDMI signal and passes that through completely unchanged. So HDMI in, HDMI out, but there's also a second HDMI output that is only the audio channel and nothing else, but it's unchanged. It doesn't compress the or over compress the audio or anything like that. And those are the features that I was really looking forward to testing. I did test the coax and spit if output they work. I didn't even test the analog audio output because it might be fine. It's probably just as good as the other ones I've tested, which we're very respectable for a cheap box, not something that you'd ever really want to use as a stereo DAC but you know fine if you just need to check or you have a quick solution or you need a quick solution. but I really only cared about making sure Dolby Atmos passed through without messing with it at all. And for that it worked totally fine. So I basically took my previous HDMI switch, put it into this, and then it had the HDMI out, go to my uh, retro RetroTINK 4K, and then the audio out, go to my AVR. And that way, I was able to take movies like 1080p 24-based stuff that had an Atmos soundtrack and send that to my AVR and then still pass the video through to the Tink to do that cool 96p thing on my projector even though the Tink was not compatible with the Dolby Atmos audio, and in this context, it completely solved that problem. I do actually think the HDMI matrix switch would be about the same price and a better solution for many setups. But this is perfect if you already have an HDMI switch and now you just need a way to send one to the Tink and then separate the audio for your AVR. This would definitely be a great addition to an existing solution, especially if you bought something like a uh, one of the. 16 poor expensive HDMI switches. That would definitely be a great addition. Maybe just a splitter with downscaling on one of the ports might work as well. Uh, And that's the other use case I wanted to talk about. If you have an AVR that supports all of the modern audio channels like Dolby Atmos, but their HDMI inputs are limited to 4K30, and you wanted to pass through a higher source, you could probably use this as well. I no longer have that very awesome Anthem amp that I used to have, which would have been the perfect test box for this. But... The other thing that you definitely could use in that scenario is the switches I previously, or the splitters I previously reviewed in that shootout, where you send it 4K60, and one of the outputs is 4K60, and the other is 1080p60. So that way you could drop it down to the more compatible format. But overall, I just, I wanted to share this, because while... Most people that buy the Tink 4K are probably going to have other solutions that allow them to get their audio out um, while still passing the signal through for any of the audio channels that the Tink 4K doesn't support. This is absolutely an excellent choice uh, if, for whatever reason, this is the setup that you need. Now, full disclosure, I did not test VRR. I did not test 4K 120 HDMI 2.1 sources. So I strongly recommend, like I put right here in the post, if you want to know how this thing works, you could buy it and test it now, even without the Tink 4K, to test all of those things. And TVs, older TVs with VRR are still a little finicky with stuff like this. So it is very plausible that one person could buy this and it would work flawlessly with 4K 120 VRR and another TV it might not. So if this is the type of thing that you were looking to pick up for your Tink 4K, maybe buy it You know, while it's still in stock now, test it. Make sure it works with your setup, just HDMI in and out directly to your TV or existing setup, just to just for a test point. And then you could return it if it doesn't work with your setup. Um, I did also want to talk about this because it supports PS3 input. So uh, if you needed something like that as well, this, you could add this to the list of many devices that support that. People listening audio only are wondering why I'm laughing at myself like a moron. You'll figure it out, I'm sure. Steve from Retro Tech recently did a video about the Bang & Olufsen MX5000 CRT, which was a really high-end CRT available for purchase in the US that actually had SCART inputs, as well as a pretty neat glass overlay and a couple of other very cool features like a motorized stand, which I had for my Luva Articos, and everyone that saw it thought it was awesome. I got it, and I thought it was, like, quirky and weird and assumed that some of my friends would tease me for it, and everyone was like... TV moves. That's so cool. And uh, this one has something very very similar. So uh, if you're interested in any of this stuff, I would absolutely check out the video, but if you're like at work and can't watch a video or something Steve did a great job writing a post about this, so you could just do it uh, written, or you could check it out, written with pictures and stuff like that as well. But I absolutely love looks into strange and weird CRTs like this. Because even if it's something that you're not interested in buying yourself, they're so unique and strange. And it's absolutely worth just taking a good look at if you're into it. Um, the only other thing I'll note is uh, I remember hearing Steve uh, in private Discord chats complain a lot about how bad the remote was. So if you end up with this TV, you might want to get a universal remote too. But um, I highly recommend this one. It's a very uh, in-depth look at a weird and awesome CRT. So Todd from RetroFrog just posted a pretty detailed overview of what's going on with that 26-inch LCD-based arcade monitor replacement. And yeah, this one's a shit show. There's no other way to... To put that, but let me run you through all of the things that are the main points of this. And please check out Todd's post for the details. Also follow Joe, aka Midgeek Crisis for a bunch of other info on this, uh, social media and YouTube, by the way. But basically, the company Unico started marketing a 26-inch 4x3 L C D monitor for use as an arcade machine replacement. And I'll just start out by saying, in a perfect world, everybody with an arcade machine would want to just go and order a brand new CRT and chassis that bolts perfectly into an existing setup and could have it running great forever. But anybody that has arcade machines knows that's not possible. You either spend a lot of time and money rebuilding what you have or you might end up just going to do something like this just because in many cases it's so much easier or it might even be a temporary solution until you do eventually fix that pain-in-the-butt CRT setup. Still love them, but, you know, we all could admit that it could be a giant pain in the butt when you have your arcade machines. So this looked like something that was pretty promising, at least on paper. And then from the moment they started hitting customers, everything, everything just started showing that... Uh, unico didn't do the greatest job with this first they sent a spec sheet that showed the wrong specs for the monitor saying it was a a 5.4 monitor Um, and that's just well that's not a big deal that's just another point in what i'm about to run you through that kind of shows that unico didn't put any effort into this whatsoever really just didn't care about the customers and let me just continue with the more important ones First of all, it was supposed to be a 1600 by 1200 monitor, but it looks like it's actually a 1024 by 768 monitor. Might be a 960p, maybe, but it's definitely not a 1600 by 1200 based on some of the shots and analysis that people had done. Also, the LCD driver board, the TCON board, was actually designed for a 32 inch, 1366 by 768 widescreen screen HDTV. Now, you might say, well, I guess that makes sense. They're trying to keep costs down so they're leaving leftover parts or using leftover parts from other stuff. Yeah, but let me just make this comparison here for you. Greg from Laserbear, one person, when he made those LCD CRT kits, which are still up for sale and still awesome, Greg customized the firmware on those in order to work properly for the things that we do and to make sure that they, to make sure you get exactly what you expected. So that's one person versus a company with the resources to do this. And they couldn't even do that. They just slapped the wrong board on there which means that if you're plugging this into most devices, you're locked to that improper resolution. You can use Windows tricks to force it, Linux tricks. You could do it with Mr. if you want to. And while it will accept that 1600 by 1200 resolution, just like many LCD panels will accept a higher resolution than the panel and scale it down automatically, it's a pain and it's not correct because it's not the native resolution. So that is, that is pretty awful just in itself. But their response to this was pretty terrible. Uh, Joe, Mid-Geek Crisis showed me some of the responses, and it, it just, it was basically like, ah, oh, we sold you something that fits. It works, doesn't it? Why are you complaining? And while I'm paraphrasing, the attitude ba- matched absolutely. Um, and on, they even kind of were shady about the latency because... They said that it was one millisecond, when in actuality it was six milliseconds. Which that in itself is fine. Six milliseconds is not a lot of latency, but it's just much like their their wrong spec sheet that they dropped in the box. It's just another little thing to add on to the whole resolution and, and functionality debacle here, and the you know the the LCD board. So it's really just terrible, and I. I kind of had a gut feeling about this from day one based on some behind the scenes stuff that I'd been hearing. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to review this at all for that exact reason. Luckily, Todd and Joe and a bunch of other people took the time to, to dig into this. Uh, If you bought one of these, I would probably return it. Um, I don't think they're ever going to fix it. I don't think this is what you, you were promised. And unless this is really your only solution, I would probably try to return it and get a full refund. If you want to keep it, if it's good enough for now, especially if it's something where you're like, okay, I'm in the middle of restoring a bunch of CRTs and chassis for my panel, so I'll use this one in, you know just until then. Cool. Uh, if you want a benchtop testing bracket for it, Todd had listed up on printables a 3D printed bracket you could print for yourself. But yeah, I mean, this was just insulting from start to finish. Uh, Unico really showed that they definitely don't care about the customer. They were willing to ship you a box of lies that didn't perform well. And uh, it's everything about it was just really disappointing. Um, you know, on the flip side, that Arcuda panel, that I, two panels that I tested last year, um, those were the opposite of this. Those tested better than expected. And even when you set the sharpness all the way up, it was a pretty good look. It wasn't a retro tank, but it was a free sharpness setting built into their correctly programmed LCD driver, and I really liked those, and I haven't heard anything from them in a while. There was no bad blood, there's no shade being thrown, it's just, we were going back and forth in emails, very excited to talk about the new things they were coming out, and they said, okay, well there's a little bit of delays, but we'll let you know as soon as we get the new panel out, and I haven't heard since, so I'm expecting an email especially after this, now would be the good time for Arcuda to step up and let everybody know what's been going on. Uh, so I I hope to hear from them soon and I hope to have a good flat panel replacement for your arcade machines coming up relatively soon. Um in fact, this panel itself might not have been the worst if they used the right driver board. So heck, maybe Unico is going to ship everybody out a free driver board replacement. Highly doubt that, but who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll decide, "Yes, we messed up. We're sorry." We want to make it right. That would be cool. I wouldn't wait for that though. I would definitely just ask for your money back because um, I just I have no faith in that. Uh, I will try to follow up with the Arcuda people. I'll send them this podcast and hopefully this will be some good motivation for them to send some new info and hopefully get all of Unico's customers over to them because this is not a good solution. And uh, you know I'm I'm realistic, right? You could there is definitely people out there that will say an LCD is never a good solution for a CRT replacement. I just, I'm not, I don't see that. There's too many scenarios in which it's too costly, too expensive, and too physically heavy to lift and move all these CRTs to make it perfect when you could just drop this in and play your games for now and decide what you want to do in the long run. So, hopefully, I'll keep everybody updated. The Saturn Bluetooth adapter was in stock over the weekend, but sold out pretty quickly. And I still just want to give a very brief overview of what this is, because I'm sure it'll be up for sale again at some point. But this was the plug-and-play Bluetooth adapter for the Sega Saturn, the Saturn BT from Humble Bazooka, that Stone Age Gamer was selling for about 40 bucks plus shipping. And this is the same adapter the Shiro crew did that very in-depth review of the prototype a few months ago and they seemed to really like it if you pair it with a fast bluetooth controller you get less than half a frame of latency which is absolutely awesome and it's this is all based off of darth cloud's blue retro platform so it's a reliable platform no one's reinventing the wheel for this one I would have loved to have seen more made, but I do understand why Stone Age Gamer wanted to just get stock and sell them rather than open pre-orders, although I do hope more will be available fairly soon. So as always, you know, check out RetroRGB, check out the RSS feed readers if you use those at all so that as soon as these posts go up, you're notified. I try to post on social media immediately. I was at the expo when this came up for sale, but I believe after I posted about it, it, they were still available, so I didn't just tweet about something that uh, that wasn't even available to purchase yet. But they looked awesome, and I really hope that Stone Age Gamer is available to get more stock of this as soon as possible. And speaking of the Sega Saturn, the company Geeky Fab has just released a USB-C adapter for the 3D analog control pad, which is that circular controller with the analog stick as well as the D-pad that has the controller cable hooked up to a module that could pop right out, which means you could just unclip that plug this one in its place and have a USB-C adapter completely no cut that is flush with the controller itself. And this will be compatible with basically any USB device, including the mister, which means this should be a good way to interface with the upcoming Saturn core if you're looking to use the 3D controller. The price is only about 20 bucks plus shipping. I believe it's coming from Japan, so it's certainly going to be uh, more than a little bit in shipping. But this is a very cool looking device, and I'm certainly, Looking forward to the Mr. Crew testing it to see what the exact latency is and also see how it works with that upcoming core. But the Saturn 3D analog control pad is certainly a unique stick. I liked the one that I owned. And I think this is a very cool way to kind of get this via emulation, whether it's on your PC, Mr., or whatever. So if you want more info, check out links to multiple stores in Dave's post, as well as pictures, an animated GIF, and a video showing exactly what this thing can do. But overall, it looks awesome, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this thing in action. Uh, I believe this is also open-source firmware, so if you wanted to, you could certainly dig into this and take a look if any adjustments need to be made. But... Overall, uh, I like it I think it's pretty awesome. Greg from LaserBear is now selling a direct video adapter for Mister that allows you to get component video direct from the HDMI port with no IO board required. There's a bunch of details I'll discuss later. I'll let you know when you should drop off if you don't care, but please stick with me for the first couple of minutes because direct video is very easy but kind of confusing to explain. So allow me a moment here. So direct video is a mode that the Mr. FPGA devs have created that allows you to get essentially 240p over HDMI without anything else. All you need is just the DE10 and whatever else is required for the core, the RAM module and a controller, and basically that's it. And if you want to go from HDMI to VGA, that's super easy. You can get any DAC out there. If you want to go to SCART, all you would need is something like the HD15 to SCART, Uh, or any kind of custom cable that will pass those signals through from that D-Sub VGA-style port to the SCART connector with a resistor in it. But going to component video is a bit more complicated. You can't just use an HDMI to component video converter because 99.9% of the ones out there don't have the required circuitry in them to do this correctly. Some people have reported that theirs have worked, but I would never recommend if you already own one, give it a try, but I, I wouldn't recommend going out and buying one of those in hopes that it would work because it's just most likely not going to. In order to get this to work with component video, you have to add a very small circuit, a couple of components, not a transcoder. You're not transcoding the circuit. You're just taking the signal that's coming out of that D-sub adapter and you're just adding some components to make sure that everything is muxed properly so that you get a pretty standard component video signal out of it. Video game signals are from analog consoles are never standard, but hopefully you know what I mean. So in order for this to work, you quite literally just plug it in, set your Mr. INI file with the correct settings, and that's it. You just get component video in 240p to consumer TVs, uh, RGB monitors. If your whole setup's component, I imagine it would be easier to route it this way. And that's it. It's a a good adapter. Greg is testing all of the completed packages before shipping, which is important because some of the Ranky adapters that are the ones Greg's using have been reported to be defective from the factory. So Greg is testing all of them. And for 30 bucks, I couldn't possibly recommend this anymore for people who want to use direct video. This uh why you might want to use direct video in case you're beta testing any of this stuff with dual ram sticks that would be one big reason uh, cost if you just want a cheap solution to plug direct into your d10 or if you wanted a small quality boost and here's where I'm going to get into the details that most people probably won't care about feel free to drop off that's really all you need to know about this. But for any of the people that were discussing this adapter and whether it's the right solution or not, not, there's a few things to note. First and foremost, I have a very strong opinion that if you already have an I.O. board and you're happy with how it works and you don't have any complaints, don't even think about moving to this. Why ruin a good thing um, just to try to change your setup? Although this technically is going to be an upgrade in quality, not because the Mr. Devs did anything wrong, not because the IO boards aren't built correctly, but because the DE10 is a dev kit that all of the Mr. Devs basically have to work around its limitations. And one of its limitations is the ability to have Full spectrum RGB from the analog output. So if you're using like the S video and composite cores, it's perfect. But not from the RGB. Now the quality upgrade you get from this isn't massive. You're not. It's not like uh, watching a retro 4K on a 70 70 inch OLED and going from composite to RGB. It's not like that at all. It is an upgrade, but it's not something that I would tell people to change their setups. And I just want to over explain that I'm not throwing shade at anybody. It just The Mister Devs are working with what they have, the tools they've been given based on the DE10, and they did an awesome job with that. So that's one of the things to note. The other thing to discuss is this DAC itself. The chip that's in this Ranky DAC is a couple of things. First, it's a fine digital analog audio converter. Um, You know, you could spend thousands upon thousands of dollars just on that. So I would confidently call this fine. If audio is a focus for you, you could look in getting um, digital output uh, through one of the more limited IO boards. That way you could still free up both RAM slots. You could get an HDMI audio extractor and just use your own DAC for that one or just use digital directly into whatever your setup is. But I'd call the audio portion of that fine. The video portion, there's definitely better DACs out there but there's nothing wrong with this one in the context of a $30 adapter that you plug into your mister and you get a very good quality signal. So there's definitely debate going on and there's certainly a lot of nitpicking, but the fact is that while there are better video DACs out there, are you sure you could find an adapter that has it? Is it going to be compatible? What's the price difference? Um, Will Greg be able to create such an easy just slide on case that will work with it? So it's kind of like when people say, like, oh, you know, that audio DAC is crap at $200. You have to buy the $3,000 one. You know, that's probably too extreme. I'm sorry. But I just want to make sure you're all visualizing this correct. We could all nitpick down to the 0. .0001 at every single thing that you release, but it's so important to just look at the total solution. So it is very easy for people to say, oh, these Ranky adapters, you know, these are you know not even any good. These ones are better. But do you, are you thinking of that in the context of 30 bucks, plug it in, you get a better signal than the I.O. board. I don't think so. I don't think any of the nitpickers are, are seeing it that way. So if you hear people throwing shade at this, don't blame Greg. Don't even blame Ranky. You could just go ahead and blame me for promoting it. But I think it is an awesome solution. I'm going to be integrating one in my setup here because I am running all component because it's just way easier for the stuff that I do. Uh, and if people really want, I could send different comparison shots through the RT4K just to show the different options for this. But I just am standing by this recommendation wholeheartedly. I think for the price, it's absolutely awesome. And I especially think that since you're buying, if you buy the $30 version, the complete, what you're really paying for is, you know, the tiny little circuit, a cool 3D printed case, and Greg's testing this for you before you get it. So it's not like when you buy those cheap DACs from the Amazon page, where I always warn people, test that before the return period, because you never know. You might get one of the ones that isn't compatible with 15 kilohertz. You might have a bad one, whatever. You don't have to worry about that. You just buy it and plug it in. So if you sat through all this word vomit, I'm sorry, I just wanted to address some of the nitpickers, because while they're not wrong, I think you're definitely entering the level of pedantic banter that uh, sometimes it just kind of drives me crazy. So for a $30 plug and play component video solution, this thing's awesome. Compare it to a lot of other stuff. It's also fine. So (laughs) no latency added. You just get a zero lag component video solution. So uh, if you got one, you know, let me know what you think. But I'm very much looking forward to getting mine. And uh, I have a feeling it's going to be just as good as the prototype I wired up here. This Friday at 11 a.m. New York City time, Analog is selling a special glow-in-the-dark edition of the Pocket. The price is $250 plus premium shipping, and it'll ship next week. So this isn't a pre-order per se. It's They have stock of this thing, and it's ready to go. Um, before, I, uh, before I add my comment to this, I just want to politely remind everybody that I've always thought the Pocket is a good device, and I think you get a lot for your money. And I always have praised Analog for being able to get their marketing through to all of these tech blogs and really make a splash. But I absolutely burst out laughing at... Them saying highly limited quantities at $250 each. And normally when I write posts, I'm pretty solid about sticking to just the facts linked to the product, my thoughts underneath. That way, if you don't care, you don't have to sit through them. But I had to do the opposite this time. I could not stop laughing. And I don't think I'm ever going to be able to refer to them as anything other than highly limited analog from now on. Like, what a different extreme level of FOMO marketing right here. Highly limited quantities right there on the page, right in their tweet. This is hilarious, and all of the tech blogs just ate it up. All of the same publications and more just blew up on this one and got the hype out, including me, apparently. So I'm not throwing shade. Whether you like their marketing or whether you can't stand it, you have to admit it is absolutely working, and they're getting through to all the people. So props to Chris Tabor for doing this. And I just, I can't wait to see what crazy marketing tricks he's going to come up with next. How about a a strictly limited duo that comes with Rondo, where uh, that way you could could have a package of things that might work well. I I don't know. Put in the comments what you think their next marketing hype should be. I, I can't wait to read all of it. And, you know, analog trolls, if you think I'm throwing shade here, I'd like to not so politely remind you that I'm also promoting it, haven't said a single negative thing about the pocket, or even the marketing, I'm just kind of laughing at the extreme of highly limited quantities. Like, wouldn't it be much better just to say, hey, we're, you know, a limited run of 500 only, or it's what people have done forever. And that, you know, for the record too, The whole making a limited run of something like this does make sense. You want the pocket, go buy the two editions that are probably near in stock. Uh, The pre-orders have gone down to very, very short wait times compared to what they were. So they're not not dangling the only edition of the pocket in front of you. They're just saying, hey, we took a risk on one small run of the -the glow-in-the-dark ones. I personally think they look cool. It's up to you if you agree. It's whatever. There's no wrong answer to that, whatever your opinion is correct. But that makes sense, right? We only made a small quantity hopefully they'll sell out so if you want something kind of special that we may or may not do again grab it now i get all of that but i just i i hard lol that highly limited quantities so there you go highly limited analog good luck on the sales for this i'm sure they'll sell out by 1101 but i love it i thought it was awesome and i really want to hear your creative suggestions on what the next highly limited analog product might be Well, that's it for this time. Once again, thank you to everybody who came over to say hi, whether I was watching the wrestling match and you came over to join with me and kind of have a laugh or whether you came over to the booth to hang out. I just appreciate all of you so much. It just, you know, I really like what I do, but seeing and meeting all of you and talking with you makes me really appreciate my job and all of you even more. So thank you all so much. I had such a blast. Th- thanks again, of course, to Chris and Lance from Retro World Expo and all of the amazing people that stayed and hung out at the booth. Uh, where I mentioned before, I'm I'm very lucky to call them colleagues. And uh, as always, too, thank you for watching, listening, playing nicely in the comments, and especially thank you for anybody who supports in any way possible because it is you who is keeping all of this stuff alive. So thanks again, and I will see you next week.